Hi, welcome to the AI Assisted Organization podcast. We've got a lot to fit in uh, this week. A lot happened last week. We're going to talk about Meta, Google Bard upgrades, a bit of news and insights from the market and what's been changing. We're also going to talk about you know the hype cycle and the, is, is there going to be a trough of disillusionment after all this exciting news, or is this the development where we are going to see this transition from you know, linear change? into exponential change as well. We're also going to talk about our experience here talking to Microsoft about Azure and OpenAI. So this is the AI Assisted Organizations podcast hosted by myself, a co-founder of Implement AI, Piers Linney, and my co-host. Hi, I'm Alok, I'm co-host with, with Piers. So yeah, we've got a lot to get through this week, Piers. I mean, we, we could touch upon Apple and the, the Vision Pro, but that's kind of old news now. I think the, the, the news there was, they didn't mention the word or AI or artificial intelligence once in their whole term launch. Uh, what's interesting is Mark Zuckerberg, he was, he was on the Lex Friedman podcast, uh, giving it a little bit of a kicking, saying that the only examples they saw was somebody sitting on their own on a sofa. Uh, but he uh, mentioned that WhatsApp and Messenger are going to have chatbots built in as well. So a bit like chat GPT plugin. So if you're in Messenger or you're in um, WhatsApp, you can actually ask it to go and do something, like book a flight, for example. It will then go off using the API and uh, go and look at whether it can actually you know, generate that outcome for you. So that's going to be a very interesting development we're going to see very soon. 20, early 2024, he said. Yeah, indeed. And, and I think that brings a very good point to look at because basically the way everything is going, and, and I was listening to an interview with Sam Altman, is like rather than OpenAI and GPT being, let's say, the platform and then other things plugging into it, really they want to have... GPT being plugged into everything else. So the point is every single tool, app, process needs to have intelligence built into it, just like we talk about electricity, Wi-Fi, and now it's AI. So 100% bringing AI into WhatsApp and all these other interfaces that are happening, because really that's the way to get this intelligence out there into as many places as possible. And you were seeing last week, um, news, there's mid-journey, there's been a runway actually, so Gen 2 came out. So runway, if you're not aware of it, this is text to video. So if you go to runway, I think it's runwayai.ml, I think it is, or yeah, have a look, Google it, or chat GBT it, and go in there and basically type in a prompt. So you might say, I, I did one with my kid, a horse running on a beach, being ridden by an astronaut. And, you know, it does a pretty good job of presenting an astronaut on a horse on a beach. Well, the astronaut didn't have a leg. The horse had a human leg. So it's all a bit weird. But the, <laughs> the point is, we always say this, these are stepping stones. This is, you know, Nokia Snake, Alok calls it, who's younger than me. I call it the sort of Pong, the old tennis game. So we are seeing, every generation, you're seeing a massive leap forward. If you look at where Midjourney, which again is text to image, Midjourney version one, and now we're at sort of five. If you see the change over that over those different versions, it's enormous. And we're going to see the same in yeah. text to video as well. And where this gets to eventually is, you write a long prompt about the kind of film you want to watch, and it's going to create it on the fly. Absolutely. And I think this is the whole point that just like previous, like let's say pre-2023, we had like the computer vision areas, we had the natural language processing areas, and different areas were all fragmented. Even now, we've obviously got mid-journey, we've got chat GPT, but what, the way everything's going is it's multimodal. So like in an interview with Sam Altman, who was talking about how next year or potentially the year after, everything will be like, you write your prompt and what do you want? Do you want audio? Do you want video? Do you want code? Everything can be coming out and coming in. So I think the key thing really now is like start putting in pipes, start putting in processes where you at least offering some levels of AI um, to assist those things so that you're ready for those different upgrades because it's going to get really powerful really quickly. And I was playing with the chat GPT, there's some new plugins. So there's one where, you know, I've done thesis with what, 
this is what's crazy is that I was looking one where you create a script in chat GPT. You then, you know, you clone your voice. I was cloning a, a Locke's <laughs> voice. He's a bit worried about that. A Locke's voice over the weekend. And then you drop your script in. It, it creates this sort of um, a conversation between these two voices. It could be my voice, a Locke's voice. And then you can overlay that to an avatar, which may not be you. It could be you if you want to uh, spend the money, where it's you speaking. Whereas now in chat GPT, there's a new uh, plugin called Hey Jen, where you can write the script and then tell it to create not going to be perfect, but again, this is the art of the possible. It's not going to be perfect, but you'll see then it creates an avatar on the fly, takes a few minutes to generate it, of somebody, you know, in a reasonably realistic way, speaking your text. So this is fantastic for things like training videos, and it's a f- kind of free demos, and you've got Synthesia, you've got, you know, Hey Gen. We're going to see more and more of these come online. Hopefully the price competition is going to bring the price down a accessing that tech no 100 and i think the key thing is like it's just understanding where your kind of use cases are going to come into and how you're going to be able to do things i was having a um, very interesting conversation with one of our lead developers where someone was talking about how they could have lots of forms filled in for example and it takes lots of time to fill in and we were talking about how you could literally create the prompts in a guided conversation so if you're having that conversation those forms could then be auto-populated and auto-filled out so after the possible i think that's the key thing really Piers, isn't it it's like having your ideas in your mind about what would you like because the plugins are either available now or they're going to be available, you know, and, and you can even build your own solutions and, um, you know, in association with people like us, basically. And that's the key thing is to start playing this thing. You know, Google's trying to start out Google Gemini multimodal. So in your business, start thinking about how you can use, you know, all these different multimodal capabilities, you know, text to image, text to video, even, you know, chatbot to tech, which is one everyone tends to be using is creating content. There's a clue in the name, generative AI. It's about generating content that didn't exist before. So what's your view then? So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of hype. We've seen lots of hype cycles throughout the, you know, recent years and throughout history. But I was at an event um, last week where I was a keynote for, what a large Microsoft partner in the UK. And I was talking about AI and I had a conversation with quite a few people, the attendees afterwards. And some are kind of, they see that this is a, a systemic change to their business, to the world at large, where some are a bit more like, oh, it's a bit like blockchain. And I was explaining to them that my view is, you know, cloud, you know, why did you move to the cloud? You can do it, the, you know, scale, subscription, OPEX, not CAPEX, security, all these good things. But the end result looks exactly the same. And I was kind of saying that, I think this is different. Now, we don't know exactly when we're going to see, you know, you've had the transformers, the, the large language models, the GPTs. But when is the next big, big, when's the next big change going to land, the next big development? And I was kind of saying, you'll see some of them, but this is going to be constant iteration, which is the difference, I think. And that compounds very quickly into massive change. So I think there is some hype. And you're going to see, you were showing me, Alex, some companies where lots of these SaaS companies are raising money. And I just think they're going to be disintermediated by, you know, applications you can talk to using natural language. So do you think there's going to be a hype cycle or do you think this is it now? No, there's always going to be hype but let's just put things in context like 5g had like i think you know like a huge amount of money invested into that and this is bigger than 5g like this is actually bigger than you know the beginning of the internet but i think for business owners you just need to think about very simply like the way to think about it is like there's really kind of like four boxes in a company there's like marketing sales fulfillment and operations, just to keep it super simple, right? And if you think about though each of those things, it's like, okay, marketing, I need to get more prospects, more leads, sales, I need to convert more of those or my existing customers into more into more um, sales and fulfillment, I need to deliver more of whatever I need to deliver and operations, it's all the stuff, HR, you know, payroll management, all that kind of stuff. 
And really, right now, you have the ability to get 30 to 50% improvements in each of those boxes. And, and that the question there is simply like how you can assist your team in each of those areas. So there is hype, but there's a huge amount of potential transformation that's available right now as well. So it's really just a question of like focusing on where you want to go. And I think you made a good point, Piers, like the way things are going to go is each company really kind of wants to get to a place where you've got your own database and your own LLM, your own chatbot interface, where you can then talk to your data and get out what you want. At the moment, many companies have like five or six different SaaS softwares and everything's fragmented. But we really, if we think about this AI-assisted organization going from fully manual to AI-assisted in each of those four departments, you kind of want to go along that journey. So I think the key thing here is don't get caught into other SaaS softwares necessarily. There is good to have SaaS software, but start to think how you can move more foundationally and fundamentally to kind of assist yourself in, in those different areas, really. I think this event of the last week has quite a few partners there. People flew in from all over the world, actually. And um, they were saying exactly that. And I was sort of saying, look, there is noise, there is high, but it's very easy to forget what the world was like in Q4 last year. That's what it's like today. I think that if, if you actually think about the capabilities and what you can do now, like you were just saying now, look, but the, the ways in which you can leverage this technology to reduce costs or grow revenues or simplify things or save time in your business, it just wasn't there six yeah. months ago. And people are talking about the hype. I'm like, well, in, in some ways, it's quite right there's a, a huge amount of hype. What we've discovered is talking to some of these larger players is that large organizations are running at this really, really hard. We probably mentioned this last week as well, but that's becoming a lot clearer because a lot of the platforms are, can be still quite technical at scale. And the, the key is, is to find something that's the right size, the right fit, I mean, the budget for actually your business. So you can make change today. I was looking at us. I met someone um, last week and he said, I've created an AI podcast, like end to end, literally it's all AI. And I thought, well, okay, you don't get the kind of inflection. You don't get our charm and charisma knowledge, obviously. I was, I was intrigued. And I started saying to him, well, have you done that? And he, he said, I wrote a Python app. Now, I don't write code. So I was quite frustrated because I like to be able to do things. And I thought, no. So I got to chat GPT and said, right, I want to set myself up as a, a sort of avatar, as this um, like a podcast, technical podcast creator, techie. And I said, right, I need to install Python and write the code that's going to enable me to create a podcast, create the script, um, overlay with some language, our, our voices, for example, and then, you know, create a podcast. And I want some images as well for the, the, the podcast host. And ChatGPT, so okay, told me how, and it's great, this sort of step-by-step -step process, the prompt, the best way of doing it. Told me how to install Python, how to, what the code would be, how to install the, um, the, how to install PIP, for example, and install the libraries, and I won't bore you with it, but it works. So that capability to make me code, someone who can generate code that works, did not exist six months ago. And I think in many ways, it's, it's a weird one that, the hype and the noise in some ways is actually hiding and making people a little bit more negative about capabilities that exist. And a lot of people I spoke to who are in the technology industry, I started talking about what they can do, even they're quite large businesses. And he's like 200 people. And some of them just banned it. And I said, well, why would you ban it? And this is why we implement AI. We talk about helping with governance and policies and putting a chief air officer. Is that you can't ban this stuff. This is like banning books. Yeah, it's like banning Wi-Fi, banning the internet. No, 100%. And, and I think that that's the key thing here, really. It's like you have to understand that like before, if you want to learn how to code, you need to go on a coding boot camp or study some books or go on a course or whatever like this. Just have the capability of writing some code. Same thing if you want to create a landing page, if you want to kind of like do any kind of like data analysis or anything like this. All these capabilities are being offered 
and, and shortcutted straight to you. So really the question then becomes like, what do you want to do now that you have that time compressed in, and you have that skill and that capability really? So I think the key thing, like you said, is really just like having a structural plan, understanding where you're trying to go, and then also putting some rules for the for like how we're going to play with this, how we're going to do this. One thing that we were talking about, Piers, is like it's important to almost standardize the usage of AI across a company. So for example, rather than um, everybody, like for example, being able to write freely and ask whatever they want if they don't put the right customer description in or the right different elements in they could get wildly different outputs and and that's where we talk about prompt engineering but there's also systems where you could actually have your own ai hub with prompts encoded so anyone in your marketing department would always have the same context for the type of customer so you can almost standardize the output and so everybody can then be at an increased speed or performance layer so i think the key thing here is like just educate yourself as to what is possible and then start thinking about how can we as much as possible standardize it and then use it in a proactive way so we're not experimenting too much and we and we get to benefit from it straight away because that's the key thing here you can actually get immediate benefits i think that's what i'm hearing is that you know you get these sort of consumer hive cycles you know fear of missing out fomo and i think that the phrase i've heard is is phoba so fear of being replaced and that's not yeah potentially you as an employee it's actually your entire business um so a lot of companies, they understand the opportunity. They're being quite reticent. And I think that's the wrong way of doing it. Large enterprises are, are going at this hard. And no matter how big your company is, I don't care if it's a local fish and chip shop, whether you're 20 employees, 200 employees, or 500 employees, you have to start understanding and trying to implement this in your business. And we've started doing this now. So Implement AI, well, we started this only about a couple of months ago, essentially, in terms of the, the thought. And we've already now got clients raising from, you know, two-man bands, literally, or, or husband and wife uh, business to, you know, 500 employees in one case, 200 in another. And they understand that they go on this journey with us. So it's not, is it? You're not really saying, right, okay, we look to your business and this is what you should implement because it doesn't really work like that. It's kind of like, right, today, this is what you should be thinking about. This is what you should be using. In 12 months, you think it should look like this and we're going to take you on that journey. And like I was saying in my keynote at the Microsoft event last week is that, this, you know, we'll go back to my ship, your train, leaving the harbour. It's going to become harder and harder to catch up. So my view was, and my response was, is, yeah, there is noise, but you have to start understanding how to implement this now to achieve those cost savings you, that you were talking about. And also what we found is, is that quite small businesses are saying, well, we're just starting out, or we're quite small, we can see a big growth opportunity. Why would we not build our business to be AI-assisted, or even, even more than that, some case, completely AI-driven, from the outset? No, hundred percent, and and that's where like you know there's that book exponential organizations that like oh, we we both love and it's and it's a great blueprint for how to do things and they and they were talking about how you know the first three people four people companies they're going to be like at huge valuations are going to come from this and I mean I'll, let me give like an example like this the week I was in London and we went to eat at a um, vegan uh, restaurant essentially because uh, plant based because um, Lucy my wife she's um, got celiac and let me. It's a very good restaurant, but they have a they have a kind of issue because they allow a certain amount of bookings, but then they hold a certain number of open spaces to allow people to walk in. And I was trying to book um, on on a repeat journey to kind of come back. And the thing is, when I was trying to do that, they were not acknowledging that I'd been there before in any way, shape, or form. And also, when I was trying to book, there was an error happening, and they may have some time window where you can't book that close to it. But when I phoned, for example, to ask again, they could have logged my phone number and understood what's going on, and they could have even said, for example, okay, we have this many open spaces available what i'm trying to say is like you still get treated like a stranger and i'm still on hold for 10 minutes for the lady to then say actually i don't think we can hold a space for you it, it, it's just like a very 
it's, it's just a very strange relationship when you're trying to like encourage people to come back and you're still paying for people to answer the phone and do things in a different way. I mean, you could very easily set up a system where the phone number is detected. It understands you came the, the day before or even two days before that. And it could even say, okay, we tend to have and more spaces between 7 and 8 p.m. But after 8 p.m. to 9 p.m., our usual busyness is, is, is fully fuller. So there's very simple ways you can use data and simple systems to, you know, encourage your customer to come. We ended up not going that evening, actually, to be honest, because I thought I don't want to turn up and then not have that situation. But, you know, every single business can leverage this to just make a better experience. I think what we're finding is, and that's a good example, actually, is that when we're talking to some of our implementing AI clients is about AI, what you realize is in some ways, what it's forcing them to do is probably what they should have done two or three or even longer, more years ago, which is that digital transformation journey. So you might be, you might be being almost like pulled and being led by thinking about and wanting to implement artificial intelligence, you know, but be it you know, something for your business specific or just using AI-based SaaS applications is that your business in many ways has not transformed at the speed and the pace it should have done. So we're seeing three things. Aren't we? One is, digital transformation led by AI. And in some places, just like basically business consultancy because your business hasn't really evolved all the time. And exponential organizations is quite interesting, which is what we're sort of basically implementing AI on about being able to scale massive. And, you know, you can't do this if you're a restaurant, clearly, because you need to have a physical space. But just thinking about using this technology, how would you grow your business or reduce your cost in ways you've never thought of before? I think, and what's come across to us a lot is that Large language models, you know, and ChatGPT and Google Bard and all the, all the sort of open source ones, these are not a panacea for every single business issue or a business complication or problem. Or they're not going to solve for everything. These are generative AI. They're fantastic at doing particular jobs, which is you know, generating content, generating ideas, personalization. They're not a database. You know, they're not particularly good at handling data. Um, they're getting better at, at maths. So... I think Google Bar had an update uh, last week or just the week before. I think it was last week, actually. So it's much better now at computation. So you were saying before, Alok, that understanding what a large language model can do and having a database, and the beauty of that is, is that what you may end up doing is not having as many different databases trapped in different software as a service application and trying to make them all talk to each other with APIs or, or Zapier. You may end up with a large language model as your kind of engine for communication ideas and generating ideas, generating content marketing. The database something which is um, is updated, it's up to date. And the LLM talks to it when it needs to, to get that up-to-date data to use in that generation of, uh, of content. No, definitely. And I think that's great for your operation side of it. But actually, you mentioned that like for the restaurant that maybe they can't leverage things, but they actually can, for example. So imagine you've got your normal restaurant, but then you also want to like open your, um, let's call it virtual restaurants, like your cloud kitchen. So let's just say you want to test, okay, should I run um, from my normal restaurant? Should I run a Mexican delivery um, service or should I run a, you know, gluten-free delivery service or should I run a pizza delivery service or whatever like this? And I want to create a different menu for each of those on Deliveroo, Uber Eats. Using generative AI, you can actually create all the images of all those products, test the different descriptions of them. And then you could actually use the analytics of what's going on to see which things get ordered more or not. And you could actually iterate your way into doing something. I mean, before the cost to do something like that would have been quite a lot because you have to pay different restaurant menu designers and 
different things like this. But now your ability to learn directly from the market and create, you know, different propositions is greatly accelerated. And I think that's the kind of key thing here. It's like, well, even if you're a small business, you can get ROI from what you're implementing. And then as you grow bigger and bigger, you can invest that into, into greater amounts, basically. I think you're right. I think you know, A-B testing, let's face it, was often a quite you know important, but a pain because you had to create, you know, several different versions of the same thing. And, you know, generative AI enables you to do that. Not only is it enable you to do that, it means you can generate many more versions with much more subtle changes in terms of a spectrum. So you can really, really fine tune what actually does work and resonate with your customer or your, or your prospect. So you're right, actually, that being able to test is a huge advantage that almost any company can use that's got a customer. Yeah. I mean, like, for example, you can go one, one step further, actually. Like, you know, most restaurants have a QR code, for example. Imagine, for example, that you'd already registered that your gluten allergy and dairy allergy, right? When you've booked the appointment. And then imagine when you scan the QR code, it knows that. So it only shows you a menu for that. That's not very complicated to do that, right? And you could also have the prices of all of those things 30% higher because it's a bit more customization, maybe made in a separate area of the kitchen, all that kind of stuff. The person will order all those things and you're going to have a much better experience. Like, wow, everything on this menu is directly for me. So I think you can really do some cool things with, um, you know, just thinking through that digital journey and then using AI to kind of enhance the experience on top of that, basically. So let's move on then. So we have been having conversations with um, some of the, the big players, you know, the Microsoft of the world. Um, we're going to have a meeting with NVIDIA quite soon. Chaps running partners there I used to work with many years ago. So NVIDIA is fascinating in terms of what they're doing. Um, but Microsoft and OpenAI. So it's been very interesting. So we, I went to the Microsoft AI partner event. I was at a Microsoft event last week for one of their large partners. And I was giving a keynote in AI, but then I got to talk to their CTO. And what was fascinating is, is number one, that they can't hire large language model experts and resource for life and no money. But the one thing that came out was that they're really struggling to find talent, talent that understands large language models. So what you're seeing actually is a premium on getting you know, bespoke solutions built. So that's something hopefully will come down over time. What we've sort of realized is, is that a lot of this technology, especially the enterprise grade, it's still quite early days, isn't it, uh, in terms of what it is you can do. So one of, the, one of the obvious applications really was if you've got a call center, for example, with very large companies, you have a huge amount of data being created in terms of you know, call logs. Uh, how do you access it? How do you search it? So transcribing that and having a large language model so you can interrogate it and learn from it and generate other content from it makes a huge amount of sense. But I think that even with Microsoft and OpenAI, open they're still sort of working out how that's going to really be deployed at scale because right now probably quite expensive it's kind of you don't get a fixed cost which is why i think SaaS in some ways people prefer because you know you're going to pay every month so it's really about usage so we are seeing use cases where the larger companies some we're doing an event um, next month as well which we'll we'll talk about but some cases you can replicate that with open source models as well so the cheaper models and the idea, again, is even the large companies is they're going on a journey. One of the big ones is law firms. You know, law firms seem to be all over this because they, they understand that they are about, you know, text, transcription, generating new content, generating documentation. And that's what these things are very, very good at. Yeah. And I think one of the key things here is like not just the reducing the cost of doing it, but increasing the speed. I think most of us want things fast, right? So if you've got like a legal document or whatever it is, and you want to get that edited and so you can move on to the next phase of your task, being able to get that quicker is a really powerful thing. And I think the, some of these um, 
different models, they have larger context windows. So to give some context, with ChatGPT, you can load in a certain amount of text and then it will then have to break it into different chunks. So let's say it was like a 10 minute YouTube video you transcribed. That might be a bit too long for how much text you can put into it. But some of these other models, for example, like Claude from Anthropic, you can put 100,000 tokens in, which is like more like a 20, 25 minute um, video, if, if, not, if not longer, of text. So you've got a lot more context that can be loaded in. So then you can then use the AI to interrogate and get more information from that. So those things are going to increase the power of it. So it's totally understanding like what you're going to use what for, because some models are going to be better at creativity and generating, other ones will be better at analysis from existing text. So it's just understanding your options in that regard. So we're working on is working out for your different organizations, different clients, what is, so we're kind of, it's almost like a table, isn't it really? It's, in the sort of departments, be you know, sales, marketing, are you saying HR, be it, um, operations, what are the quick wins? So what can you do today to increase your opportunity, to reduce, optimize your costs? And what are the, looking out of the horizon, what are the big wins? So where is this going for you and your business? And how do you get from A to B? And how do say you and your, your team, employees, your suppliers, even your customers, on that journey so that in 12 months time and even before that in many cases your business is very different in terms of how the value is creating for its stakeholders and large companies get it and they go at an enterprise level but you can do a lot of this for the, at the sme even the very small micro company level in terms of changing your the way you operate so that it's a, a massive competitive advantage and we've been quite focused on some regulated sectors like wealth accountancy and we're doing an event um, in early July, aren't we, in central London? Yeah, on the 5th of July, we're doing um, an AI for business SME and financial services event. Um, it's going to be held at Pins and Masons in London. And uh, we'll have like a link for the page. But it's really interesting because like even in a regulated sector, there's so much in the, of that business, which is unregulated, let's call it like the, the non-proprietary um, data um, in terms of like marketing, operations, sales, different elements. And you can really streamline and improve the productivity of all those things. I think one of the most exciting things for me is like understanding different use cases. So I was at a networking event last week and um, there was someone who works in the construction industry and he actually works in estimating many different buildings. And he was explaining to me that like one of the first things he does is for someone who wants to build either a commercial or residential thing is they have like a consultation. And that's like, like for example, a um, few thousand pounds. And for that, they'll help them give like a rough estimate of what that building would be. And he said that many people don't even go to that stage because they don't want to pay that consultation fee. So he said that many projects actually don't go anywhere. And I was saying to him that actually that this whole thing is rule-based. And what you could actually do is you could have like an AI estimating tool, which would then help differentiate your firm as a front end where you could actually do two things. You could actually help take some specifications in from the, from the customer. And then you could also have some rules for like providing a ballpark estimate, but you could go one step further and you could actually use like image generators, three model generators to actually help the client visualize what that outcome would look like. Because the thing is, if you can connect more emotionally to the other person using visuals and different elements like this, it just makes it a much more compelling experience. So one of the things for me that's most interesting is like, I love hearing about different um, industries because in my head, I'm just thinking, okay, that's this, that's this, that's this. And then how you can kind of like digitally transform and augment that experience. And I haven't come across something yet that you couldn't improve basically yeah and that's it so um, i've seen apps before where i've actually met people who are trying to build um, software that helps generate quotes like that in the construction industry but it's actually the largest sector in the uk economy 
And you're right, it hasn't got to be perfect, has it? All it's got to do is show or make the customer feel like you care a bit more, you've done a bit more work, you've done a bit more thought, it's a bit more personal, and it's a bit more, you know, it's kind of designed for them. It's not some generic, you know, quote that you're throwing out these that everyone else gets. You just change the name and address. And and then again, if you've spoken to them and learned something about them, you can personalize in terms of what interests them as well. And that is the competitive advantage that any business can uh, can enjoy. No, exactly. I think that that's the thing is that there's an unfair advantage and opportunity in every business you can uncover and use that. So we're uh, continuing with Implement AI. We're doing our boardroom updates, which is quite interesting, aren't they? Where you talk to um, companies of all different sizes and some people are like, yeah, I've been reading about this. Some are completely gobsmacked about in terms of what's happening, what's happened and then what it means for them and their business and their employees. And again, I was always quite surprised that some of the company I've spoken to or met with they're kind of banning this. And I can see why if you're regulated in some cases, you've got to be quite careful about it. But I still think that's the one way of going about it. It's about being open with everyone involved about how they use this technology, what technology they should be using, how, when, and why, and having that baked into, you know, policy as well. And policy sounds like it's sort of boring big company stuff. It's actually not. It's actually really important. You will understand where this tech is in your business, where your customer data is, and also the benefits you can actually generate so you can track them and measure them because that's the key to the end of the day. And that's what we try and do. So I think we'll, we'll leave it there for today. Um, this is the, the AI assisted organization podcast with myself, Paisley, and Alex Shukla, the co-founders of implement AI. We've got an event um, next month in early July. So we'll put the details of that in a link in the description. And um, it's going to be the same place, same time next week. And we look forward to seeing you then. Catch up next week, Piers. All the best.